Hey there. Is today your first time here? Or maybe your first time in a while? If so, maybe you're wondering exactly who we are and what this church is all about. Well, we'd like you to know that we're a group of ordinary people who are on an amazing journey together following Christ. Our guide is the Bible because it's the divinely inspired Word of God and it will never take us in the wrong direction. Along the way, we hope you'll see that we are welcoming and spiritually passionate and that getting to know you is a big deal to us. We know that the road is rough sometimes, but we'll work really hard to bring you practical and relevant messages to equip and encourage you through life's ups and downs. We want you to know that we care about this community and we believe that it's our job to make it a better place. So no matter who you are or where you've been, we're glad you're here with us today. And we hope that you'll join us on our journey, following Christ and living out His plan for us. So welcome to church. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Will you stand with me? My name is Garen, and we're going to spend some time this morning celebrating God, and we're going to spend some time praying for our teachers and our parents and our kids as they head off to school tomorrow. But before we do, we want to spend some time just singing about the greatness of our God. So will you stand and join in with us?
welcomes me the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving God you're so God, you're so good.
What you do matters. I made you with a purpose. Your strength. Your weakness. Your hopes. Your dreams. I placed them in you for my glory. I've called you to make a difference. Be my example. Be my example. At home, at school, with friends and when no one is watching. Don't let anyone look down on you. Not for your age, not for your looks, not for the things that make you different or the things that set you apart. Pursue me with a clean heart. I gave you that heart to beat for me. Because I love you. Because I love you. Remember who I created you to be. You're here for a reason. A daughter of the king. A son of the king. Beloved. 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 Exactly who I created you to be. What you do matters. We're going to take a moment um, and we're going to lift up our teens. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Justin. I'm the youth director here at the church. And so we got school starting. And so they're going to need it. So let's just pray for them. Lord, I remember. Lord, I remember these times in my life when I was their age. And Lord, this is when they begin to shape themselves in the way that will have impacts that will last their whole life. And so, Father, I pray. I pray that you be present in our schools. I, pay, I pray that you be present in their lives, 
that you would give them a boldness, Lord, to stand up for you and for your glory, that you would give them a boldness to speak for you and to shine your light. Lord, I pray that you would guide them. Lord, in in all the chaos that the world brings these days, Lord, I pray that you would give them peace and comfort. Lord, I pray that we as a body of Christ would show them, Lord, that peace is found in you. Lord, that unity is found in you. Lord, that strength is found in you. That to go a step further, Lord, as we've taken all the steps that we can take, Lord, that the extra step is found in you, Father. May you shape these teens. Lord, help them to not grab onto bad examples. But, Lord, be reminded of you and your word and your truth. And, Father, for those who invest in the lives of the teens, the teachers, the principals, Lord, would you give them the patience, the guidance, Lord, they need it more than now. They need it now more than ever before for you to shape them and guide them. And so, Father, we we take this moment to lift them up to you. Lord, not just the teens here at Port Orange Church of Nazarene or the ones in Port Orange or in Florida, Lord, but all the teens around the world. May you be their light. and May you guide them. And Father, may we help you shine your light to the teens that we run into and that we encounter. And Lord, may you give us as a body of Christ the heart to pray for our teens. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to pray with some of you who are parents of kids or grandparents of kids that are heading back to school. I've got two little guys heading to a new school in a new city. And as a parent, you're like, oh, man, this is, this is going to be tough. But God has made as many promises, and we have to, we've got to be able to trust him, or else what do we have? So let's pray together for uh, people like me who are anxious about their own kids going back. Father. We come to you right now, um, really, we, we praise you, but we admit our need for you, Lord. We know that you tell us to not worry, to not be anxious about anything. Because as we worry, we can't change a single hair on our heads. We can't do anything with worry, but make things worse. So, Lord, help me, help my wife. And help every parent like us who has a a little one going back to school. Or maybe going to school for the first time. Keep our hearts focused on you. Keep our thoughts on the thoughts that you would have us think of. Reassure us with your promises that you love the children more than anything. And their innocence. Lord, we know that we can trust you. Not just today or tomorrow, but forever. So we look forward to you spending extra time with us, comforting us, guiding us, helping us to grow in wisdom as parents, as we guide the little ones, and as we uh, just pray over them as they spend 
the day with people that we know love them and went into a profession because they love children. We praise you, Father. And we just greatly anticipate all the great things that you're going to do through their teachers and through their schools. All the glory is to you, God. Amen. for crying out loud. Look at them. Y'all, give them a hand. They've done so good in here. Well, um, I get to pray for our kids. I'll take this off. Um, I get to pray for our kids today. Oh, my goodness. And our preschoolers who will be coming back to school starting tomorrow. But some of these kiddos are going to school tomorrow for the first time. And others will be going later, and some are in new schools, so um, we get to pray for them, and what a privilege it is, right? So will you do me a favor? I know this might feel a little odd, and your arm might get a little tired, but will you reach out and just pray over these kids as I pray, okay? Lord Jesus, we love our kids We love the ones that are sitting here. We love the ones that will be flooding these halls tomorrow in our church. We love the kids in our community. We love the families who may not go to church and they they just need some guidance from you. Lord, I pray that for these that are sitting here in front of me, Lord, that you will bless them this year that you will bless them with knowledge, that you will fill their hearts with friends and with teachers that speak life and good things into them. Lord, I pray that as they learn that they will shine your light. I pray that they will be examples to others in the classroom. I pray that as their teachers are trying to figure things out here at the beginning of the year, that these are the students who will be the big helpers, that they will be the ones who will um, be the ones who are behaved and who are listening. 
Because, God, I know that you have the power to uh, give us self-control. And so will you please be with these kids as they learn, as they serve, as they make friends, and as they become a light, uh, maybe in a dark spot um, in their school, maybe uh, there's someone who feels very lonely, and this is just the kid that you have sent along to bless someone else's life. We believe that, and we trust you to do that through them. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I think we have some preschool teachers and some teachers in the community that could come forward for a prayer. I'm Debbie Clark, and they've given me the privilege and honor to pray for you. Yeah, thank you. We are excited for you, and we want your spirits to hear this prayer. Father, you are love. You are hope. You are the God who makes all things possible for your glory. Being a teacher is so trying and difficult and different right now. Teachers everywhere need your protection and guidance. Pour out your protection, wisdom, strength, and creativity on these teachers. Return the joy of teaching to their hearts and minds. Give them words of life that encourage and challenge children to learn and grow in ways that honor each other and you so that this generation will be blessed to be world changers for your glory. May our bright beginning teachers and assistants be blessed to realize that each child is a blessing from God, full of unlimited potential to become all you are dreaming for them. May they become fully aware that you have placed each child in their class with a specific purpose either to change change that child's life or their own. Let our teachers and assistants be the shining lights to our children, realizing that these children that they positively influence will influence their own families and friends. Bless our bright beginning school and all schools with unity and harmony among the staff, the children, their families, and this fellowship of believers. Let their speech with families be felt with the love they have for these children and be an encouragement to the parents to partner with them in God in the instruction of their children. We are so thankful for our teachers and all teachers, school administrators and staff. Give them everything they need to guide, teach, and protect their students and each other. May the words of parents and this community Be words of life, providing wisdom, encouragement, and actions that share the love of Jesus, honoring all people in all ways. We need you. We want the power of your Holy Spirit to fill us with your love. Direct our footsteps and actions so that they delight your heart and delight the hearts of our teachers, administrators, and staff. Bless us with your wisdom in the sure, sufficient, loving name of our Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ. Amen. You are prepared. You are prayed for. Now go and teach. (laughs) Okay, before you leave, I've got a little something for you and for our kids. Lisa, y'all come back up here. Okay, but I have to read what it... eh. Okay, here we go. This is what it says. When we read a book and want to remember the important things, we use a highlighter so those words, phrases, and sentences will jump off the page. Those words are what our eyes are drawn to when we go back to study. Our prayer for you is that your life and your life 
will highlight the good things of God this year. That when people see you, they will see what is worth being remembered about God's character. May your life jump off the page when others wonder what they should know about God this year. Glow well this year. Highlighters. So <laughs> this is just a little something for you um, to let you know that you are being prayed for. So every time you see a highlighter, be reminded to highlight the good things about God. Awesome. I love highlighters. Highlighters and stickies. Man, that's where it's at. Well, I'm Garen. I think I introduced myself, but uh, if I haven't, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. And I am going to give you a couple of announcements of things that are happening in our church. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, we hope that you have had a little bit of time and space to relax and hear from God. And we're hoping that that continues for the next few minutes. Um, some things that are coming up, baptisms. We have baptisms that are coming up. We are going to do um, another ocean baptism, hopefully in the next few weeks. And so if you have said, I need to be baptized, see a pastor right away. We're trying to figure out how to do this um, better than last time. And we're wondering if maybe we'll just go and live stream the service at the beach and do everything there and have a shortened service. So that also leads me to tell you, if you're not connected with us in our Wednesday email or following us on Facebook, you're going to miss that type of information. So I encourage you to do that. Follow us on Facebook. If you want to be um, connected to our weekly email, every week we send out a small devotional and ways you can serve and ways that you can grow, you can simply email us at the office, office at peonaz.church, and say, add me to the list, and we will get you on that list so that you can find out what's going on in the life of this church. The second thing that's happening, beginning September 8th, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We're going to be doing a book study um, on, on emotionally healthy spirituality. And, and basically, let me give you the 20-second nutshell of it. In the same way that a football player that can catch the ball like nobody's business but can't run a route and can't block when they need to, they are not going to get drafted very quickly because you have to be good at all elements at some level in order to be effective. In the same way, as we want to grow closer to God, we can't neglect some mental and emotional and other issues of our lives and just compartmentalize it and say, I want to grow with God, but I refuse to forgive my neighbor. And so we want to emotionally, in a healthy way, grow spiritually, which is a holistic type of thing because God wants to transform every element of our lives. And so this is a great study. We, we clock it pretty well. We keep it at an hour, and I invite you Grab a book, let us know you're coming, and that starts the first Wednesday after Labor Day. And the last thing is, what is the last thing? I forgot. Oh, yeah. A lot of us uh, got the text or the Facebook notifications or whatever, the news alerts letting us know of what's been happening in Haiti. And the, I think it was a 7.2 earthquake that shook them yesterday. 
what a blessing it is that we have Pastor Jason, who has direct ties with multiple people in Haiti. And so we're going to be raising money for Haiti. I encourage you, as you are able, to give. This isn't in lieu of other things. I'm not going to pay my mortgage this month because I want to give to Haiti, or I'm not going to pay my tithe. This is, this is above and beyond. But we understand that God wants us to give cheerfully, and honestly, Haiti needs our help. And it's time for us to step up. And so there are a couple of ways you can give. Um, the, the way that 100% every penny goes to them is by writing a check and sending it in the mail. And you can get our address at pionaz.church slash give. If, uh, the quickest way, and in case you're like, I'll never remember to write a check, you can give online or text give. And the bank takes like a 2%. So like 98% is going that you give which is still pretty good if you're like me and you forget. Um, but we want to help our brothers and sisters. They need us. And we want to be Jesus to them. Okay? So those are the, uh, the announcements we have. And now's the time. I don't get to do this very often. Um, when Jen's in here, she does it a lot, and so does Justin. But I get the opportunity to extend peace to you. And when, when we talk about that, it's not... Um, it's not meant to be a weird thing, but we want to keep this as an act of worship. And if we're not careful, it's very easy to slip into, hey, did you go to the beach yesterday or did you see the game yesterday? And we want this time to be focused much more intentionally than that. And so we pass the peace. And what we're saying is we pray that everything is right with you and God and that everything is right with you and me. May there be peace vertically and horizontally, because that's the way that we truly grow in Christ, is if we have peace with one another and peace with God. And so, may I be the first to say to you today, may the peace of the Lord be with you today. Thanks. We're still, because of numbers, socially distancing, but wave and high-five peace to each other and give them the peace sign and... We're going to continue in worship with our tithes and offerings. But before that, I've got to give you guys a little nugget here. Drew told me this morning, he said, hey, you got a nugget for us? And I was like, man, no, I really don't. And I said, well, here's what God's been talking about this last, you know, month or so. And then in the middle of it, I kind of got, God gave me that nugget that I wanted to share with you guys. So if you guys remember last week's nugget, what I told you was this. The church is not just a building, and it's not just the people, but it's the people coming together for one another. And what I, what I was reminded of today was... By a show of hands, I, I want to ask you guys this. Is there anything in your life? Here's, this is actually the nugget, so but it's a participation nugget. Uh, is there any of you guys that could say, hey, I maybe need a prayer or I need some help in some way in my life, whether it be the weeds getting pulled or prayer for my family, prayer for my friends? Nobody needs anything. Does anybody need anything in their life? Is anybody in need of something, right? Okay, now put your hands down. Who in here can say... I, I have a helping hand. I'm willing to help somebody. I might not have money for you, but I have some resources. 
and I might not have resources. I might not have, you know, what you need, but I have some money or whatever the case is, or I have some prayer I can pray for you. And so when you see how many people need things and how many people are willing to help other people, you realize that, again, the body of Christ is when people are coming together, helping one another. And so just know that. Take note that you are surrounded with people who need help, and you are surrounded by people who are willing to help. And that is what the body of Christ is. So let's pray for this time of offering that we have together. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity where we can provide for the building. We can provide for the ministers. We can provide for your kingdom. And Lord, we can provide for the ministries that are done outside of the walls of this church. Lord, an opportunity that we have to further your light in this world. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you for the unwavering, steadfast of you taking care of us. Lord, not a question in my mind that knows that we serve a God that takes care of us. And so, Lord, we thank you for this act of worship that we could participate in for your kingdom and your glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So as I was uh, preparing today, um, I, I thought that it might be good if instead of going the next step in where we are, if we look back on where we've been so that we're all on the same page. And if you're visiting with us, uh, we have been studying for the past I don't know, 15, 20 weeks, the Sermon on the Mount. These, these famous words of Jesus that he spoke on the mountainside one day and Matthew wrote them down and they're just full of a lot of stuff. And with everybody having summer and kids sick and travel, I know there are a lot of people that missed a lot of things. And Jason and I were talking this morning and Jason said, you know, the Hebrew people did such a good job of retelling the story and reminding people of what had been happening and what God had been doing 
And that made me feel very good because that's kind of what I want to do today. And I'm going to kind of run us through as quickly as I can where we've been so that we're ready to pick up next week. And I invite you to come back as we do this. Oh, am I in trouble? Oh, I think I have it here. But we'll see. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you to everyone that's helping out today with all the AV and sound and, and musicians. Um, it takes a lot of us to, um, to do a lot of this stuff. And so thank you. And if you want to help, I invite you to join in. So we've been in Matthew chapter 5. And, and basically, let's, let's uh, quickly go through where we've been so that we're ready for next week. It started off on Easter with Pastor Jen, and she was talking about the blessing and what it means to be blessed. And if you'll recall, we talked about the blessed life isn't when God is giving you everything you want. The blessed life is partnering with God in his kingdom work. That's when your life is blessed. It's not about what can you do for me today, God. It's about how can I partner with you because you're already doing something miraculous and something amazing. And if I can partner with you, my life is going to be blessed. And then we followed that up by talking about Jesus. And Jesus had a mission statement. And it's found in Matthew 4.17. And I'm hoping a lot of you know what it is by now because we've talked about it a lot. And in Matthew 4.17, Jesus says, repent. Turn around. Draw near to God. You're going this way. This way is going to get you into trouble. Turn around and turn toward God. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then in Matthew 4, it goes on to say that Jesus started gathering this crowd and people started following him because he's doing some amazing things. He's saying some great things every now and then. He's getting a little jab at the religious leaders, which they think is funny. And he's healing people and he's doing just miraculous things. And then we find that Jesus starts to gather these disciples. These people that are willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. They are willing to give up home and money and safety to follow the way of this Jesus because they want to learn from Jesus. And a disciple, to be called a disciple in that day was a big deal. That happened to a very, very small few. Everyone in the Jewish faith would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. And the majority of them would then go on and just do their family livelihood. So there were a select few that would be called on to do a little bit more. And so they would memorize the whole Old Testament. And even that wasn't always good enough for the cut. There was just a very, very small few that were called by rabbis and they said, Hey, I see something in you, something special. Why don't you follow me and learn at my feet? And Jesus is extending this invitation to fishermen and uneducated people, and he's turning things upside down, and it's making a lot of people upset, and it's making a lot of people happy. And we see at the end of chapter 4 that crowds start to follow Jesus. What's he going to do next? This is going to be exciting. What will Jesus do? Oh, man, wouldn't that be cool if he healed my neighbor? Oh, this is awesome. Maybe... And then we come to Matthew chapter 5, and it says that when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on the hillside, he went up on the mountainside, and he began to speak to them. And 
we talked about how this, this was a big deal. He went up on the mountainside, and it was almost a nod to Moses, who was the original person that was giving the law and insights to the people. And now Jesus, in the same way, is going up on the mountainside, and he is going to impart this wisdom to these people. And he starts by saying these crazy things. He says, God blesses those, and right then, 90% of the crowd would have tuned out, at least for the moment. He's not talking about me. I'm a nobody. And instead of saying, God blesses those who follow the Torah, God blesses those who do the right thing, God blesses those who tithe even down to the mint in their cabinets, he says, God blesses the poor. The poor in spirit. God blesses, what he's basically saying is, God blesses you. Because the people that were following Jesus were the outcast, the poor, the neglected, the people that were cast aside. They were nobodies. They'd never be asked to read the Bible in church on Sunday. These were discarded people. And Jesus is saying, you're the people that are blessed. And and we talked about, I don't know if you remember, this has been a while, but we talked about Tim Noble and Sue Webster and how they used to have, let me see if this works. They're these artists and they, they put stuff on a table and it looks like junk and you sit there and go, oh, that's absolutely hideous. Who, that looks like my table at home right now. But that's not what I would want to see as art. You've got things that are all shot up with BB guns and you've got this and that. And then we talked about the beauty of Noble and Webster is then all of a sudden a different light hits them. And all of a sudden what looked ugly and wasted when it's cast, when, when the right light is on it, it becomes something so much more beautiful than you ever thought possible. When the right light hits this mess, beauty happens. Lives are transformed. And Jesus says, God bless you when you're poor. God blesses. And, th- and then we talked about, and we took the next three in reverse, and we said, when you hunger and thirst for justice or for righteousness, when you see bad things happening all around you, and it just breaks your heart, you just, that's just not right. That shouldn't be happening to those people. And, and you have this sense of justice or righteousness, and I know what's right and I know what's wrong, and that's just horrible. And because you are having your eyes open, and because you are able to see the hurt and the pain that's going on, well... That causes you to mourn. Your heart breaks for these people who are hurting, for these situations where brokenness abounds. And, and you mourn, but you mourn with humility. And God blesses the humble. Because you understand, I can't do anything. I'm not big enough to solve this problem. But I know that there's a problem, and my heart is breaking for the people that are, that are in the middle of the situation, and something has to happen. God blesses you. God blesses you when you're merciful. God blesses you when you see a situation and everything within you and society tells you and the law tells you and all your friends are whispering in your ear, this is what you have the right to do and you show mercy. And, and this is the week, I don't know if you remember, we talked about um, Inquan. And, and Inquan um, was sent to 
the nation of Tonga. And in the nation of Tonga, if you are born with an infirmity, if if you have um, epilepsy or if you have autism or if you have any kind of thing that they can identify, most children born with something recognizable never leave the room where they are born. They are never touched, hugged, kissed by anyone other than their mother because in that nation, someone who has something wrong is not worth touching. And we talked about how Inquan was sent there and, and when he would see them, he would crawl up beside them on the floor in their mess and he would hug them and he would touch their face and he would say, I see you, I love you, you're so precious in God's sight. And he would pour this mercy out on these people where everyone else had turned a blind eye. God blesses those people that show mercy. God blesses those people who have a pure heart. Those people who, there's nothing in it for me, I just want what's right. And when you have a pure heart and you want what's right, you see troubles in the world and God blesses you because you take that pure heart and you become a peacemaker in the midst of the trouble. God blesses those who work towards peace. And if you'll recall, we talked about when this side is shooting at this side and this side is shooting at this side and you get in the middle of it to try to broker peace, you actually have both people pointing at you. And being a peacemaker is not an easy thing to be. But God blesses you when you are willing to take that step and be a peacemaker. God blesses you because when you do that, when you're working for justice, when your heart is breaking for the hurting, when you have a pure heart and in humility you try to broker this peace, chances are you're the one that's going to be in the crossfire. You're the one that's going to be persecuted. You're the one that's going to have the target on your back. And God blesses you when you're persecuted. God blesses you when people revile you and persecute you and say all manners of evil against you falsely for my sake. And Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. And that sounds weird to us, but when we are living in this upside-down kingdom, maybe that's what happens. And then we talked about these blessings, these nine blessings. If we were to take all these pieces and put them together, whose face would we see? And we talked about how who else came from a poor and unpretentious family, and who else mourned over the people that had missed the mark and who else was seeking for justice and who else was a peacemaker and who else had a pure heart and who else was persecuted and who else and we see that in these nine blessings we see this image of jesus who is the fulfillment of all these blessings and so what we're really finding that is that jesus is saying if you want to follow me You will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you begin to look more and more like Jesus. You with me so far? I know I'm going at it fast, but then we talked about salt and light. That's the next part of it. We talked about how Jesus didn't say, you know what, you really should be salt. You really should try to be light. I mean, that'd be a good thing if you did it. You say you love me. You should try this. What Jesus actually says is, you are salt. 
you are light. And if you're not being salt, you may not be the disciple you think you are. Because if I am the light of the world and if I am the salt, if, I, if people need to see these God colors, that's the way the message puts it. People need to taste these God flavors and they need to taste them and see them in your life. And if you aren't being these God flavors and this God light, then there are people around you that are walking in darkness that will never see the light of God or taste the God flavors of God because you're not doing what you say you are. Be salt. Be, be that kind of flavor that people just say, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is uh, about Jim. But when I'm around him, I feel something and I want to know more about it. I don't know what it is about Marilyn, but she just has this, this, this presence that makes me curious. And then we talked about how, just like light, and we talked about, uh, do you remember the, um, the Ponce Inlet, the Fresno light? How you've got this light and it's going everywhere because it's a light. And what the Fresno light does is it uses all these angles and it focuses it so that the beam can actually be seen 20 miles out in the ocean. And Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world, but you're going to be the light. And I'm going to focus you. And if you'll just shine where I tell you to shine, you will be more impactful than you ever thought you could be. If you'll be who you say you are you'll be salt if you'll be light and then we talked about we took a quick sidestep because when you're salt and when you're light it looks a certain way and we talked about in acts 19 do you remember this the seven sons of skiva and we talked about how the the story goes uh, that uh i think it was peter was healing people he even like he would like touch handkerchiefs and people would take the handkerchief to sick people and they'd be healed and these seven sons of skiva they were like hey that's kind of a pretty cool thing Hmm. Now, we notice that he's saying in the name of Jesus, so I wonder if we were to say in the name of Jesus, we could start this really cool business where we kind of heal people and exercise people and stuff like that. So they go and they try to perform this exorcism and they're like, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the demon says, or was it Paul or Peter? Oh, goodness. Sorry. Now I got to know or it's going to drive me crazy. It's Acts 19. Paul, thank you. It's Paul. They said, Paul we know. Jesus we know. But who are you? And then it says, the demon gave those seven guys a whooping. That's how my mama would call it, a whooping. And we talked about that if we are going to be who we're saying we're going to be, we need to be living lives that are focused. And, and we talked about, you remember we talked about Michael Jordan. And we talked about how for years, if a team had the Bulls on the rock, if they were like, oh, we're playing the Bulls in November, they spent days, if not weeks, in the back room not saying, how are we going to beat the Bulls? They were saying, how are we going to stop Michael? If we can stop Michael, we can shut down the whole team. And I asked you, does the enemy know who you are? 
Are there demons in the back rooms and back offices saying, oh man, if we don't stop Janice, that girl will pray too many people into heaven. If we don't stop Drew from being a positive influence to the people that he employs, we're going to have trouble. Does the enemy know who you are? Jesus says they should because you're going to be your, your salt and your light. And if you're not, then maybe, I don't know, we have bigger issues. And then, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up, so stay with me. Then Jesus kind of turns the corner. And this is kind of the crux of, uh, of Matthew 5 through 7. And, and he says, hey, I know you think that I'm coming to get rid of everything that you learned because I'm teaching some pretty radical things. I haven't come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill the law. I haven't come to change what you've learned. I've come to show you how what you learned should truly look. I've come to embody this Torah, these these rules that God has for how to live a holy life. And I haven't come to destroy all the work that was done by the prophets. I've come to show you what it looks like in a totally surrendered life. And then he says, but if your righteousness, in verse 20, if it doesn't, if it's not better than the righteousness of the teachers and the laws and the Pharisees, you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. If your righteousness, and we talked about how the, the two words for righteousness, they're different words. We translate them righteousness both ways, but the if your righteousness is talking about being right in heart and mind and action and feeling, you are righteous. Doesn't exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees and their righteousness. That word is translated as if someone who accurately transcribes a writing. They're righteous, they're accurate, they're correct. If your way of living, if you're holistic, the, how you feel, how you act, what you think, if it's not totally encompassed in God, you're not any better than those people who are just checking off lists. Well, I haven't done this today. Well, I haven't done that today. And Jesus says our righteousness has to exceed that. And then he launches into these six statements that are just weird. You know, he starts off, you've heard it said, don't murder. And in our American Western civilization, and I'm guessing pretty much everywhere in the world, if somebody said, should you murder someone? Most people would say, nope. It seems like a very weird place to start this next section. And yet Jesus says it's not really about murder because murder is actually the end result of something else. You've gotten down to, well, I haven't killed anyone, so I'm okay. But really, at the heart of the issue is anger. And you can murder someone in your mind long before you would ever do something with your hand. And that's not the way of love, because love isn't hostile. Love love doesn't let anger get to that extreme. Love takes care of the issue before it becomes an issue. 
That's what fulfilling the law looks like. It's not enough just to say, I didn't murder anyone. It's about saying, I want to live in such a way that there is no animosity between us. Why would I ever want it to escalate any higher than that? I don't want it to even be that. Let's make peace with each other so that we can have peace with God. And you remember, that's the section where it says, if you remember something against your brother, you've come to, you, you've made a two-day trip, three-day trip to the temple, and you're ready to make your sacrifice, and you're like, oh, man, Bill's mad at me. Oh, leave it. Go make amends with the person that there's anger with, and then come and offer your sacrifice. And so, you've heard, don't murder, but I say, don't even be angry. And then last week, we talked about adultery. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say, any man who looks at another person with lust in their eyes is already an adulterer. Adulterer. And we talked about how, so if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. And we're talking, Jesus wasn't saying to walk around maimed. Jesus was saying, take care of the problem. Whatever it is. Make it right. And if you recall, I, had, I, I made the little trap up here, and I was actually really impressed. It didn't fall the entire service until I tripped it. But you had the basket, and you had the stick that holds it up, and then you had that other stick where the bait is. And we talked about how when Jesus says, if your hand offends you, or if your hand causes you to lust, that's the word... Uh, Scandalizo. It's where we get the word scandal or scandalous. If your hand offends you or scandalizo. And we talked about how in Latin, the word for that trip is a scandalon. And what Jesus is saying, don't get caught in a trap, even a trap of your own making. Don't play around with things that will trap you because you may not survive it. If your eye is causing you to be near a trap, don't let it get you. Stop it before it ever gets anywhere. If your hand, if whatever it is, whatever your trap is, we all have issues, right? And we all have triggers. Be careful. It is a very slippery slope when you begin to play around in the trap and think, I'm okay. Because before you know it, something will happen and that scandal on will trigger. And you may not survive the mess that you've created. So that's where we've been the last 20 weeks. This next week, um, we're going to be talking about, you've heard it said, this about divorce. And I encourage you to come back, uh, just like with murder, just like with adultery, not, not everything is as it seems. It's the same with this next one this next antithesis. And so I encourage you to come back. I also encourage you, if you are a Pio Naz 
if this is your home, and I know that we've missed, a lot of people have missed because of travel and work and vacation, I encourage you, if something sparked your interest, go back and watch the sermon. I think it'll do you good to help make sure that we're all on the same page as we head into this next section. We're going to head through these last three, you've heard it said, but I say statements of Jesus, and then we're going to be heading into the Lord's Prayer in just a few weeks, and it's going to be an exciting time. But at the end of all of it, I'm hoping that we will be able to say, thank you, Lord. I understand you better, and I understand better what the kingdom of God looks like. Not in some pie-in-the-sky idea, not in some mindset of the 18th century when all the poets were writing about heaven and hell, not in some escapism, but the kingdom of God here and now is what Jesus ushered in. And we are called to live in God's kingdom even now, which is a wonderful, horrible thing. It's a wonderful thing because it means that although we have yet to have it completely fulfilled, we are living in it now, but it's a horrible thing because just like salt and light, we have responsibilities to bring this kingdom into clarity for those that need it. So let's pray, and then we're going to have communion, and then we're going to send you on your way, and hopefully I'll see a lot of you next week. God, this sermon is messing me up. This sermon that you gave 2,000 years ago is still so relevant to my life. Each week, I'm inspired and I'm convicted, and thank you for that. As hard as some weeks are, I know that's exactly where I need to be because that means that I'm still growing, and I pray that you will continue to do a new thing in me. And I pray that not only for me, but for my friends here, whether in person or online or watching it three weeks from now. Jesus, we just want to be closer to you. We just want to reflect a little bit better the image of our risen Savior. Will you help us this day and this week and this, this school year to reflect you well? We pray this in your name. Amen.
Will you stand with me? At our church, we sing our benediction, and so I'm going to start it off, and I invite you to sing with me, but um, it's been good to be with you today. Sing with me. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.